chapter 10. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to Jesus, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink this cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. <coughs> then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. You do not know what you are asking. Our reading from Mark today of James and John asking to be seated on the right and left hand of Jesus is often preached as a reminder of the old saying, be careful what you wish for. That we, looking back on Jesus' life and ministry now, know that when Jesus comes into his glory in the gospel, it's not on a political throne. Jesus doesn't become the ruler of Israel that the disciples were hoping for. For Jesus, the moment of his glory is his greatest moment of service. It's on the cross. A cross of pain and heartache, of prayers and tears and death. The two who hang on his right and left are sentenced criminals dying with him. James and John are usually depicted in the best light as overeager and maybe a little naive disciples of Jesus, hoping to be with him when he comes in his glory, but just not really understanding what that means. In the worst light, James and John's, John are depicted as greedy and power-hungry, trying to usurp leadership in Jesus' new kingdom from the other disciples, oversure of themselves and their abilities. When Jesus asks them if they can drink the cup he drinks and be baptized in the baptism that he is baptized with, they say, we are able, even if they don't really know what that means. You do not know what you are asking. Be careful what you wish for. And it's not a terrible lesson. It's true, we often don't always think about the consequences of our hopes or our wants. I know for me, last Sunday, as I continued to grieve for my dad, I was a little weary of joining in coffee hour after worship. It's really nice to visit with you all, but I find myself getting tired more easily after social interaction. And so last Sunday morning, I was thinking about worship and coffee hour and how it would all go praying to God for strength and energy. And then as many of you know, we didn't make it more than 10 minutes into worship because our furnace broke and was leaking gas. It was recommended that we evacuate the church building. And I will say, that was not really what I was hoping for. 
That was not what I was expecting. And I, once everyone was safe, and I just sat there and I just had to laugh a little, you do not know what you are asking. But the truth is, as so many of us have those kinds of experiences of prayer, of wanting or wishing, that end in ironic or disappointing twists, I don't know if that's really what Jesus is getting at here. You do not know what you are asking. I don't know if James and John really deserve the way they are described. I don't think this is a be careful what you wish for reminder, but rather an example of the ways we as people seek control. It's how we understand the world around us and the roles we play in it. I know for me so much of this last month in my life after my dad's passing has felt out of my control. That helplessness and confusion that so many of us feel around grief, around heartbreak, around the unknown. And that helpless feeling spirals. Everything can feel so much bigger, so much harder, so much more ridiculous or unreal. And I think that's what the disciples were going through because our lectionary text skips it. We read Mark chapter 10 verses 35 to 45 but we skipped 32 to 34. For the third time, Jesus declares to his disciples that the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, that they will hand him over to the Gentiles, they will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise again. And directly after Jesus says that, James and John come, asking to be at Jesus' right hand and left hand in his glory. I wonder if James and John were worried, were heartbroken about Jesus' words. I wonder if they felt helpless, felt confused, felt out of control. I wonder if James and John felt like what Jesus was saying was so unreal, so ridiculous, so difficult and impossible that they didn't know what to do. And so they came to Jesus not because of some malicious or greedy intention, not out of wanting to control Jesus, but because of their desire to understand the world around them. To understand themselves in this ministry, in this journey they were on with Jesus. I wonder if they were asking Jesus for just a piece of understanding, a promise of a place, of a role, a promise of belonging in this world that Jesus was creating, a promise of what their world might look like now. A promise, a hope that many of us who struggle with the uncontrollable parts of our lives wish for. Jesus doesn't chastise them. He doesn't tell them that they're being ridiculous or rude. He doesn't turn them away when they come to him and ask, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Because Jesus knows. Jesus knows that same feeling nearly all people have felt at some point in their lives. Our Hebrew text remind us, reminds us that in the days of his flesh, when Jesus lived on this earth as a person, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. Jesus knows that sometimes when we feel helpless, when we feel out of control, we seek control in whatever way we can, through prayers, through questions, through requests, and often through bargaining. And so Jesus listens to the requests of his two followers, and I wonder if he feels for them and their uncertainty and their worry. I'm sure Jesus recognizes the real motivations for their question, whatever that might be, and so he replies, you do not know what you are asking. 
And when he asks them if they are able to take their place, live their role, to drink the cup and be baptized with the same baptism, they say, we are able. Like we all say, we can handle it. We can do it. We are able. And Jesus says to them, you will. You will drink. You will be baptized. You will. You will, even if you don't know what you're asking. Because a promise of a place, of a role, a promise of belonging in the world that Jesus is creating, a promise of that world might look like something totally new. It, doesn't, might, it might not offer control. It might not offer understanding. Because we don't know what we're asking for. A place with Jesus won't necessarily give us that control we're seeking. It won't be the kind of glory the disciples were expecting. Because a place with Jesus is in his glory on a cross. A place of forgiveness and hope, but also of pain and heartache. Because Jesus doesn't make suffering disappear in the world. Jesus doesn't take our heartbreak away or make everything simple and better. God's kingdom is here, but not yet. Jesus suffers with us. Jesus feels with us. Jesus prays with us. And Jesus weeps with us. And a place with him means experiencing all that pain, too, in our own lives and in caring for and walking alongside others. But that place also means forgiveness and hope for something new, for that kingdom that God brings into our world and our place in that kingdom. You do not know what you are asking. Can you imagine what or where your role will call you? A role in Jesus' ministry, the role of servant for others, and all that uncertainty that that servitude creates for us. Jesus tells us, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. To really, truly be a servant to others means giving up at least some control. To give up some of our understanding of what God is doing in our lives and in our church and in our community that role is not always easy for us to take on, and often our own needs, our own wants to understand and to control cause us to fail. You do not know what you are asking. Belonging with Jesus doesn't always make sense. For the disciples and for us, this belonging is something totally new and different than our understanding and our need for control can create. This is the belonging that takes the bread and the cup and declares, this is my body and blood given for you. This is the belonging that baptizes with water and words and the Holy Spirit and calls you a child of God. This is the belonging, the calling to a family of people you may never know and people you probably won't agree with. And people who you could never expect could care for you with the love that Jesus shares with us. A belonging to the one who created the entire universe, who created you, whose heart breaks with yours, whose prayers rise up with yours, who loves you more than you could ever ask for. You do not know what you are asking. Ephesians reminds us that God's power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, and the promise is not just for us, but for the world. We are the promise Jesus gives what the world looks like now. We, all of us, the body of Christ, are the promise Jesus gives for what the world looks like now. As God's kingdom continues to break through, as we continue to experience heartbreak and helplessness, God is doing more than we can ask or imagine in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our world, sharing love and mercy and grace 
through you, through us. Even when we feel out of control, even when we feel helpless, even when we don't know what the world, what our lives will look like tomorrow, even when we don't know what it is that we're asking for. Jesus still comes not to be served, but to serve, to give his life for the world. Jesus still finds his glory on the cross. In his death and resurrection, Jesus experiences the heartbreak, the helplessness, the grief, and the pain of this world, and Jesus answers our request with a new promise. Not that things won't feel out of control, because they will, but that God is working there alongside us. Not that hearts won't break and there won't be pain, because the brokenness in this world is still here, but that none of us are alone in those moments. You do not know what you are asking. Asking for certainty, for control, for understanding, Jesus gives us the promise of his glory, of God's kingdom, here and not yet, and he promises each of us a place, a role, a belonging in the world that Jesus is creating, a promise, an answer, a hope for the moments in life when we can't ask or imagine, when we wonder if we are able, we wonder if we can continue with whatever comes next. And Jesus says, you might not know what you're asking, but you will. Amen. Amen.